Well, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time of year when we celebrate your arrival and the fulfillment of promises you made to Adam and Eve and Abraham and Sarah and to God's people for millennia, the promise to bring us a Savior. Amen. I'd like to introduce myself. Uh, I'm, as you know, Pastor Randy Thompson, but I want to tell you a little bit more about me. Uh, For years, I have been able to uh, get uh, the congregation that I'm with uh, to roll their eyes when I tell them just one phrase. Um, did I mention to you that I uh, grew up on a farm near Bode, Iowa? I, I, there's a few over here. I can, I can hear their eye rolls. I can hear them. But you know, uh, um, there's so many agricultural examples in Scripture that makes me the resident expert. See, so whenever there's uh, something like that, I just say that one phrase, you know, and they know what's coming. Um, and, uh, but I have to say that uh, I don't have experience raising sheep. Uh, my dad didn't raise sheep. We had cattle. We had hogs. We had chickens. We had cats. My mom had like 30 cats. We had no rats, very few mice. <laughs> but but um, that's, uh, you know, we had all the other things. However, I will say that I did clean out a neighbor's sheep barn a few times. So I don't know if that counts or not. Uh, the Christmas story also centers around a little town that begins with a B. It's Bethlehem. Now, it's King David's hometown, but a thousand years later, after King David's time, it was just a little town. You've been reading each Sunday from Luke's account of the Nativity, but I want to share with you uh, what would be the Apostle John's version of, uh, of Jesus' coming. This is from John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, how many of you have birthdays in March? Any birthdays in March? Okay, uh, there's a few in each of the services. The other two services had a few. Did you know that some very important people were born in March? People like Robert Downey Jr. For those that aren't sure about that, uh, that's Iron Man. Um, Betty White, she's 100 years old. Did you know that? 100 years old, and she's still at it. Um, Bruce Willis, how many of you watch Die Hard for Christmas? Okay. He would be angry with you (laughs) because he says it's not a Christmas movie. (laughs) Uh, Justin Bieber, I kind of like his music. Uh, Dr. Seuss, Mr. Rogers, and uh, uh, German Lutherans love this one. Johann Sebastian Bach, he's born in, in March. And some other very important people like my grandmother, my mother, me, and Jesus. Now, you know that December 25th is an artificial date, right? It's kind of picked, picked uh, by the, the ancient church as, as the date because there was no real date for that. But um, why Jesus in March? Why do I say that? Uh, well, Luke reports that the shepherds were out in the field. The reason they're out in the field is because there was grass out there. Now, there's not always grass outside of Jerusalem. Uh, there's grass uh, After the rains come, they come in February. And then by March, 
There's grass in April. It could be April that he was born, but, but that, that's the time frame because otherwise the shepherds would not be out in the field. Otherwise it's barren. And so they would have their sheep in the sheep barn or wherever they keep sheep back in those days. And uh, so that's why I say that. Um, in fact, I got a chance to visit Israel a long time ago in 1993, and the month that I went to visit was in February, and the rains were coming. The rains were, were happening while I was there. And so they told me all about what happens to the, the countryside uh, and how lush it looks for a while. So the shepherds are out in the field, and they are given an amazing message about a Savior is born. And they see the glorious spectacle of the heavenly host praising God. They had to go see for themselves. But why shepherds? In those days in Israel, do you know what status the shepherds had? None. That's right. They had no status. For example, they were not allowed to be witnesses in a court. So who did God choose to be witnesses of this event, the, the greatest event since the creation of the world, the arrival of the Savior? He picked the people that no one else would pick. And everyone said was unqualified. He picked shepherds. But you know, this is in line with what Jesus said. Jesus said, the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So that's kind of a way that, uh, that, that I think maybe God rolls. Um, you know, uh, shepherds were out. It was dark, obviously. And then uh, what appeared to them? The heavenly host. Filling the night with praise and light. Well, I don't know about you. I do not like this time of year in terms of the lack of light. It's dark by 5 o'clock. I'm, I'm Norwegian background. You know, I get sad. Seasonal, seasonal affective disorder. You know, a little depression sets in from lack of light. But you know what I really love? I love all the Christmas lights that are everywhere because it lights the streets and lights the homes. And so it brings cheer in what is the darkest time of year. And I think that's appropriate for celebrating Christmas. Now, the lowly shepherds were the first witnesses of the fulfillment of God's ancient promise that a Savior would be born. Lowly shepherds. But God is not a respecter of persons. We are the ones that think some people are more important than others, not God. Let's take the disciples, for instance. Do you know that the, that the disciples were the rabbi school rejects? You know, every, every young, young man in Israel, they, they wanted to be chosen by a rabbi to be part of his school. And there were some famous schools at the time. And, and uh, if they were rejected, if the rabbi didn't choose them, then they had nothing left to do except to join dad's business. So, for example, we had uh, um, Peter and Andrew and James and John. They were fishing with dad. Not the first choice, apparently, for them in those days. Uh, then Jesus comes along, a rabbi of repute, because he was getting to be well-known, and he chose them. He chose the rejects. And, you know, they dropped everything and followed him. They weren't rejects anymore. But, you know, they still had their problems. They had this constant uh, argument that would go on with them about who's the greatest in, in, among them, you know. And uh, uh, maybe it was out of their own insecurities. I don't know. doesn't really say. And so Jesus would give them better examples, like putting a small child in the midst and telling them to be like the child. But still they didn't get it. And then one of the most powerful things 
in, in Scripture, post, uh, readings that, that for me, um, that happened during uh, the Last Supper. Jesus wanted to have the supper with the disciples. So it was just the disciples and Jesus. And uh, then uh, an argument broke out. Guess what it was about? Who's the greatest? Now, there is a purpose to that, uh, that uh, argument, though. See, there's no servants. It's just Jesus and the disciples. So someone had to wash feet. So they're going to figure out the pecking order. Who's the greatest? And they'll keep going down until they get to the least greatest, and that's the one that has to wash people's feet. So what did Jesus do? He took a basin of water and a towel, and he washed their feet. And the disciples, they were, uh, they were dumbstruck. They didn't know what to say about this. Peter tried to say something, and Jesus said, don't talk. <laughs> you know? And then when he sat down and when he was done, this is a powerful thing Jesus said. He said, do you understand what I did to you? He did something to them. And from that moment on, they could never, they never argued about who was the greatest. They only talked, they only tried to be the servant of all, just like their Savior is the servant of all. Um, by the way, uh, since we're talking about witnesses that wouldn't be chosen, do you know who the first witnesses of the resurrection were? It's women. And uh, interestingly, they could not testify in court either. So who did God choose to be the, the, the witnesses of the greatest event ever in the whole history of the universe? He chose the women that no one else would choose. You know, and and uh, that's God, God's agenda. You know, they, he put them to the front. Um, I think God just kind of upends the values that we have, that we hold so, so close and that our society has and has for centuries, and he just turns them upside down. Uh, he wants us to know that um, uh, those that uh, the world around us do not say are important are important to him. It's like God has uprooted a tree and planted it upside down instead. Now, uh, this time of year, it's great we have these... Uh, trees without any leaves, you know. You still see the graceful branches, you know, reaching up to the sky, but no leaves, uh, except uh, one tree, and maybe you'll always look at it the same way I do now, uh, the oak tree. That looks like one of those trees that God turned upside down, and the branches look like the roots sticking out. You, you drive by some uh, oak trees, you look up, they, it looks like the roots are sticking out, because it's just a mess. It's not graceful at all. Um, and that's what God does. So on that day, when we were all lined up to enter heaven, the popes and bishops and senators and architects and captains of industry and pastors are at the front of the line. Then God the Father will come out and say, I'm sorry, but my son says the line starts at the other end. That's God's values. Well, what does that mean for us? You might think that in the kingdom of God, you are not so important or impressive. You might think I'm just the shepherd. Our God disagrees. I uh, have the privilege of working with, with homeless and jobless folks. Uh, that's a, one of the main things that the Cross the Crown Ministry uh, continues to do. And it's a constant reminder. I share with them that, it, that uh, God wants to use them in amazing ways. And you know he does. And I, I see you know, when I, when I develop relationships with people, I see how they relate to other people and what effect they have on others, and I am in awe of them. I look up to them. 
We are all very much like the shepherds, unimportant in the world's eyes, but amazing when we follow our Savior. We can proclaim what we have seen and heard just like the shepherds. God will make our words and our story more powerful than you could ever know. Now, I, I got to share a couple of Bode stories. Bode is just a, a town, 200 people. You know, you wouldn't think that's very important. Um, uh, the church is uh, there, St. Olaf has been there about 150 years. But uh, at 140 years, they had a big blowout celebration with uh, um, former pastors. They came and were the speakers. And, and the sons of the congregation, um, like myself, who grew up and became pastors, we, we uh, had parts to do in the service. And um, uh, so I, I had two opportunities to share with them. And so the, the first opportunity, and, and I'd sing a song that would go with it. The first uh, opportunity was I, I, I talked about being in Mrs. Crobble's three-year-old class. And I talked all about what it was like. You know, I have more memories of being three years old in Mrs. Crobble's class than I do being three years old at home. And so I talked about when we'd be around these little desks and, and uh, she would tell us stories and, and we would sing in front of the congregation. And, and three-year-olds, you know, that's a big congregation. Now it looks tiny to me, but three years old, I remember what it, look, what it looked like, these people, these big people. Uh, but we weren't afraid because Mrs. Crobble was right there. And, uh, and then I sang my song, and then I sat down. And this was all unscripted. The next speaker was her daughter. And she was in tears. And she said, my mother couldn't come today because she's in her late 90s. But she said she dedicated her life to three-year-olds. And here's a former three-year-old talk, talking all about it. And she, when I think back on that, she might not have known what an impact she had on all those kids all those years. You know, we don't know the impact that we have, but God does. You know, there's a song that, um, uh, I think it probably was the song that I sang with this. It's, it's an old Christian song. It's called Thank You. But the idea in the song is that uh, this guy goes to heaven, and all these people come up to him and say thank you. You know, thank you for giving to the Lord. That's the way the chorus goes, because I'm a life that was changed. Okay, well... You know, he gave to missionaries, and he taught Sunday school, and he did all these little things. He had no clue until that day when people come to him and say, thank you for giving to the Lord. And he had no, no idea. I think that's going to be our history, uh, our story when we get there. We'll probably have a lot of people uh, that won't know. Uh, and, and they'll tell us what a difference we made. Um, Maybe one story I'll insert. It's not in my notes. My congregation would always hear me say, well, it's not in my notes, but I'm going to tell another story. It's about my dad. Um, and, uh, and late in his life, uh, he, oh, he, he did well as a farmer. I never owned a farm, but, but he did well. And uh, uh, for some reason, the millionaire farmer up north of us, he didn't like my dad. And, and one day, late in their life, he, he came over basically to brag to my dad about everything he had. Now, my dad was, was, a, was really a kind man, and he wasn't trying to be mean, but he said to, to him, uh, he said, Harold, well, someday you and I will each own a, a plot of ground four feet by six feet. And that's all he said, but that changed that man's life. It's like he turned everything around. He started being kind to my dad, doing things for him. Uh, he, he started doing things for neighbors. He, he just completely changed. Because of just one little thing dad shared with him that was truth. 
you never know when you might share some little thing with someone that is a nugget of truth or an act of love that will change your life forever. The other story about Bullet I want to share with you is uh, uh, back in uh, 1975, I was with a, a singing group with the Lutheran Youth Encounter. We went to West Africa. There's four guys and four gals in, in the group. And we started here in the United States, and we'd, we'd sing and we'd raise support. And, uh, you know, and I'd say wherever I went, uh, you know, I'm Randy Thompson. I'm from Bode, Iowa. Um, so everyone else did too. But when we got away from the Midwest, they just said what state they're from. I kept saying I'm from Bode, Iowa. You know, they started giving me a hard time. But then we were out in Colorado, and uh, two services, the first service, this couple came out. He was from Bode. She was from Audison, and the farm was halfway in between. Second service, a guy came out and said, uh, I used to farm kitty corner from your dad. So then they didn't bother me anymore, because <laughs> even out in Colorado, they knew about Bode. Well, then we're over in Cameroon, in West Africa, and uh, we were um, uh, invited by an old retired pastor to come to his house for lunch, and the missionary came along to, to uh, translate for us. And so um, I, I, we're introducing ourselves. I said, I'm Randy Thompson. I'm from Bode, Iowa. And that old pastor jumped up. He got all excited and said all these things. The missionary said, uh, he says that you belong to him because you're from Bode, Iowa. Now, found out that uh, a missionary named Gunderson had opened up that part of Africa to the gospel and had baptized this pastor as one of his first six converts back in 1932. And when he went to retire from the mission field, he went to live in Bode, Iowa. So I told this little church in this little town, I said, you might think you're small, but I met your influence halfway around the world. Who knows how far your influence will go? Who knows what will happen because of what God does through you and in you? I want to finish the rest of the Christmas story from John. This is uh, starting with verse 12. But to all who did receive him, receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of, the, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And now you are also full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you that uh, we are your people here at this time in the circles that you plant us. Lord, we, uh, we, uh, uh, we have family that you've given us. We have good, close friends that you've given us. We have uh, maybe longtime neighbors, uh, co-workers. They are people that we have in our orbit that we care about. Well, Lord, you have given them to us on purpose. So, Lord, help us to do our best to share the light of Jesus with them, uh, to do kind things that, that uh, uh, come from our heart that will make a difference in their lives. Lord, anything that we give as an offering, we just had the offering here at the church, anything we give as an offering in terms of uh, uh, not only uh, treasure but time and talent, that we give in your name will make a difference in other people's lives. We want to thank you for choosing us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.